0: Thanks for tuning into the Outcomes Rocket podcast where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Hey, I want to personally invite you to our first inaugural healthcare thinkathon. It's a conference that the Outcomes Rocket and the IU Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences has teamed up on. We're going to put together silo-crushing practices just like we do here on the podcast, except it's going to be live. With inspiring keynotes and panelists to set the tone, we're conducting a meeting where you could be part of drafting the blueprint for the future of healthcare. That's right. You could be a founding member of this group of talented industry and practitioner leaders. Join me and 200 other inspiring health leaders for the first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's an event that you're not going to want to miss. And since there's only 200 tickets available, you're going to want to act soon. So how do you learn more? Just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference for more details on how to attend that's outcomesrocket.health/conference and you'll be able to get all the info that you need on this amazing healthcare thinkathon that's outcomesrocket.health/conference welcome back once again to the outcomes rocket podcast where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders i really thank you again for tuning in to the podcast we have amazing guests every single day five days a week and this day today we have an amazing guest for you a great contributor to healthcare. his name is anish sebastian he's an entrepreneur ceo Head of Product and Healthcare Transformation. He's the co-founder and CEO at Baby Scripts. They're focused and successful in their niche. And I'm excited to dive into the things that they're up to there. Anish was part of the healthcare transformer at Startup Health, where he and his team were able to build the company and now are one of the more established company as part of that. But prior to that, he was also very much involved in organizations with managing risk and also contributing to health so I wanted to open up the microphone to Anish to help him widen that introduction maybe I missed something Anish but welcome to the podcast fill in the gaps
1: perfect perfect thank you Saul for that uh, very kind introduction uh, no I think I think you captured a lot of it uh, you know I've been working on baby scripts now for uh, a little more than four years prior to which um, a lot of my sort of um interest was in in the quantified self space. I got involved in that whole community. But yeah, now it's sort of uh you know all things baby scripts. Yeah.
0: That's awesome, brother. And uh, I definitely am excited to dive into some of the things that you guys are up to at Baby Scripts. And to begin, why did you decide to get into healthcare to begin with?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a good question. In fact, the beginning of my career was not in healthcare at all. I was working for a pretty large consulting company focusing on the financial services industry. But while I was doing that, as I alluded to a little bit, I was very much involved in kind of health tracking, right? So Uh the Quantified self Movement, which you might be familiar with, started off in San Francisco, started to spread toward the East Coast. And Washington, D.C. is... as a laggard, started to get involved into in, in it a little bit. So that's when I started to, you know, I started doing the whole Fitbit thing before that became cool and, you know, genomic testing and profiling and all that kind of thing, all with kind of this, this passion to really just improve my own health, right? You know, while going through that whole process, you know, obviously everyone has the story, but I also saw someone very close to me, my own mom, um, You know, just interact with the healthcare system through some of the disease that she was managing. And at that point, every now and then in, in life, you you kind of get to a moment and you see, hey, is there, is there a calling for yourself, right? Yes. And that was clear to me. And that's when I sort of put up my, my consultant hat and left the financial services industry and I remember someone telling me that, hey, like it's, it's often people from an outside perspective that can get in and, and try and change stuff. So you know that's when I jumped straight in. And, and from that point on, it's been, it's been quite the ride. You know.
0: That's so awesome, brother. Thanks for that story. And it sounds like you definitely were introduced to it and never looked back. And now you're pretty deep into it. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what you believe one of the hot topics that should be on every health leader's agenda.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, actually, right? So when I talk to heads of hospital systems, insurance companies, MCOs, payers, where it might be, oftentimes, a lot of times, one of the top items in their list is value-based care, which is, okay, well, how are we doing it? What's the process of getting there? What type of risk agreements are we interested in? You know, patient coordination, all that stuff. But then I, I go a step below, you know, the CEO, and I start really examining what the pain points are at the service line level. And oftentimes, one of the things I've found, it's often not that at all. It comes down to really what I think is true of healthcare in America, which is it's so far behind every other industry that they're just trying to catch up. So whether it's something as simple as, well, not as simple, but something as core as interoperability or practice automation or operational efficiency or just using little bits of technology here and there as a basic patient engagement tool. So, you know, one one of the things that I'm quickly starting to realize um, is that while the leaders of the organizations, especially at that CEO level and the strategy level, tend to be focused on value-based care and what else they can do on it, at the operational level, oftentimes what we've seen is focus tends to be at, hey, I need to I need to run the practice, run it smarter, run it more efficiently, and make sure I have happy patients, right? So it's an interesting balance. It's an interesting sort of kind of the needle that you have to thread. But yeah, that's been sort of a, a good development we've seen over the last 12 months or so.
0: That's a good call out. And Anish, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of organizations struggle is value-based care. You know, what does it mean? How do I implement it? And how do I get away from something that I've been doing for so long, which is fee for service? And uh, it definitely very cool that you guys are are focused on moving the needle there. Let's take it a, a step deeper. How are you guys doing it? And give us an example of some uh, outcomes improvement that you've uh, helped your clients uh, achieve. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So obviously our product is focused on a very very specific episode of care, which is pregnancy. As soon as we get involved as soon as the mom goes into their OBGYN or midwife office and says, hey, doctor, I think I'm pregnant. And we're kind of done after they deliver the baby about six to 10 weeks postpartum and they move on to the next sort of phase or chapter of their life, which it puts us in a pretty unique position because we can actually very, very, very squarely hone in on a targeted set of things that will improve outcome. And we define outcome in a very specific manner, which is improve maternal and fetal outcomes, which that focus then flows out throughout the company. So our mission and our moonshot in many ways is to focus on preterm birth in America. And by the year 2027, we want to make a, make a dent on it, right? So everything that we do as a company, as product engineering, marketing sales is very much focused on that. So you start kind of backing track off of that and saying, all right, well, if that's, that's what you want to achieve by 2027, what can you start to attack at, to get there? And the way we have thought about attacking it is in a very specific manner. It's by creating a a new model of care delivery uh, that we call precision prenatal care, which basically translates to when a mom comes in to get care, you essentially don't give them the standard model that happens today. What you do is you give them a risk-based care delivery protocol and you adjust as needed. And we leverage mobile, digital, IoT tools to empower that. And I'll give you an example of, of a model that we have, right? So um, okay. one of the products that we have is something called the schedule optimization module. It's intended actually for low-risk, uncomplicated pregnancies, right? These might be the second-time moms that are very low-risk, that are, don't have any prior history of any complications, that type of thing. For those type of patients, uh, we're able to deploy some remote monitoring tools like blood pressure cuffs and scales. And one of the things we've demonstrated is that for those type of patients, they don't need to come in as often to receive knee-to-knee care, elbow-to-elbow, because we're collecting so much data remotely. And if anything's off track, obviously, at that point, they, they get elevated care. But you know, for those patients, they see their practice and their doctor a little less often, but interact with them more in a much more digital, efficient manner. So that's an example of, of, you know, this risk stratified model being deployed. Now, on the other end of it, we also have a diabetes module, which is very much targeted to pregnant mothers that are gestationally diabetic. You need a much more heightened kind of targeted approach, and we're able to collect data in a much more real-time manner, from home, trigger messages as needed, manage that. They're obviously seeing some specialists, they're seeing their obstetrician, and we're able to balance that. So they get a a little bit more tension, right, than the low-risk mom. But at the same time, it's, it's much more risk appropriate. So what happens is at the end of this full kind of this full process is as a healthcare system, as a provider, I go in not thinking about I got 30 appointments today. I go in thinking about here are my patients here, here are the data, right? So again, it, it has a pretty narrow focus and has a narrow niche focus on pregnancy, obstetric care, but we're able to sort of really delve into that and do a good job on that.
0: That's pretty great. And some of the things that come to mind are when you look at health across the nation, you have areas that are, say, for example, rural areas or even urban areas where people don't have transportation, right? Oftentimes, we don't think about the difficulties of getting in to see a, a provider. And on top of that, you're pregnant. <laughs> so, it's harder for you to move around, right? So, I think this is a really cool solution, especially in those niches where where you have folks that are struggling to get in due to either social determinants of health or the region that they live in. Do you find that this tends to be one of the key areas that you guys are making a big impact on?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's kind of two instances of the spectrum there, right? You have a lot of areas in America where you have um, just rural care that where access is a true issue. In North Carolina, for example, there's been this marked shutdown of L&D departments at hospitals and a lot of difficulty for patients to get care. You know, They have to take two buses and plane just to get to a clinic, right? So for those type of patients, remote monitoring is a big deal. They might not have an obstetric clinic nearby, but they'll have a smartphone, right? So we're definitely able to leverage that. They have internet con- uh, uh, connection, so they're able to leverage that also. So yeah, so for those type of patients where Literally, just getting something as simple as blood pressure on a routine, relevant manner is a big deal, uh, and we're able to help that. Now, conversely, in the other side of the spectrum, you have uh, very urban uh, situations where, you know, for example, we're deployed now at a, at a teen pregnancy clinic here in Washington, D.C., where this patient population has a much different profile than the other po- population I was talking about. The issues there much tend to be much more related to social determinants. These patients typically have difficulty getting time off work or accessing the proper transportation uh, modalities to get to the clinic, to get care. So we're also able to deploy it in that manner, right? So you, we're through, you know, a module that we have, public care navigation module, right? So it's interesting to see access being an issue in, in two entirely different contexts. But either way, that's, that's absolutely true. We're, we're, it's, a, it's a big problem. And one, I'll be remiss if I didn't say, one of the things that is rising, very interestingly, is maternal morbidity and mortality in the United States. Uh, it's United rising? States. It is, yep. Yep. Texas is the worst why? in the United you know States. Why? Well, the, the top two reasons, clinical wow. reasons is um, postpartum yeah. hemorrhage uh, and the other one is called wow. preeclampsia. Um, now, if you start like breaking it down as to what causes those two things to happen, one of the things is just a better good control for hypertensives and lack of access to care. There was a documentary done recently uh, in rural Georgia where patients just don't have access to care. And then now they get preeclamptic all kinds of complications come up and then it's an issue and interestingly you know pregnancy is one of those areas where a bad outcome even if it happens rarely is a big deal because it's not supposed to happen right so unlike cancer or elderly care where yeah I mean you're dealing with a lot of complicated stuff in pregnancy you know the mom is really not supposed to die right so right. So that's a trend that, that, that's, you know, not good, right? And we're obviously trying to like under, And uh, to be fair, there's there's various reasons to it, but we think that one of the problems is access to care. And one of the ways you can improve access is by leveraging technology totally in agree. a very smart way, and, and we're helping with that.
0: That's pretty cool, Anish. And um, thanks for bringing these issues to light, because I feel like a lot of times, as health leaders, we can assume things that aren't really the case. And so I had no idea that that these complications were rising in the U.S. And frankly, it's unacceptable. So I love that you and your team have taken the bull by the horns and hyper-focused, right? And not you're not afraid of saying, hey, you know what? This is our area. This is our space. This is where we're going to play. And I think that's the reason why you guys have experienced the success you have. And you'll continue to to experience that. So keep staying focused, my friend. I think it's uh, great work that you guys are up to.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for that. You know, obviously, we're not good at a lot of things. But we think that we get a couple of things for hate, one of which is this whole, you know, maternal health area. And that's always going to be our focus. That's what we love doing. You know, one of the leaders in our space, Dr. Neil Shah, he's out of Harvard. He says something that I find pretty interesting obviously in the recent like four to six months or actually over the last year or so, there's been a tremendous amount of focus on mental health and uh, substance abuse and opioid abuse and that type of thing. If you look at the data on maternal health, there should be a similar kind of uproar in the public consciousness, uh, which hasn't happened yet. So a lot of what I try to do is, to your point, is to bring attention to these issues and is to highlight, you know, how there's some some major things going on, and, and hopefully we can we can fix it. Obviously, we're a very very small part of it, but at the same time, you know, it does require like a national movement in many ways to improve uh, outcomes
0: here. Well, and that's so great, Anish, and there's no reason why that movement can't be started by you. So I'm excited to be able to at least be a part of that, getting your voice out there, Anish, what you and your and your team are doing, because absolutely, it's just unacceptable. And if we're not measuring, and if we're not holding each other accountable for the health of women in this space, then we're failing them. And so I think it's awesome that you're up up to that. And I'm excited to publish this podcast so that the leaders listening to this are aware, and they can also join. Now, I uh, usually ask later, but just for the sake of this conversation, like, where can people reach out to you? Where can they get more information? Do you have a, a centralized place where you put your thoughts out as a company or as an individual?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, a great place to go would be just our website, getbabyscripts.com. Uh, we have a, a dedicated place there where we we'll talk about some of the work we're doing as it relates to the overall industry and some of the work that we're hoping to highlight and that type of thing um one thing that is will also be on our on our website if you go there is we're actually holding a a summit this year um in austin in a few weeks actually coming up so nice although called the future of obstetrics And it's unusual for a startup of our size to do something like this, which is we're bringing together all the thought leaders in this space and really thinking through how technology can improve care, primarily just talking about stuff that we already talked about. And it's going along with the the major conference in all things OBGYN, which is called ACOG, the ACOG Annual Conference. So since we're throwing shout outs, I'll I'll throw a shout out to our future of obstetrics. And you can go to our website to find more info on that.
0: I love it. That's great. And for the listeners, when you... Think about the things that Anish has been talking about here. All that stuff, you could find it on their website. So what is the website, uh, Anish? It's
1: getbabyscripts.com.
0: Getbabyscripts.com. So you'll be able to find that as well. If you're driving, don't worry about writing it down. Just go to outcomesrocket.health babyscripts. You're going to find that link there. But if not, just write getbabyscripts.com. That's easy enough. Anish, super, super insightful. You guys haven't always had it figured out and obviously you still are working on building your platform, but take us to a time when you had a setback and what you learned from that setback and what you do now as a result of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, how much time have you got, you know? No, um, <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, I think, obviously, as you're growing a company, um, you're constantly faced with uh, a ton of challenges. I think from our standpoint, in the early, early days of BabyScripts, you know, I think we didn't quite have our business model to figure out, uh, figured out, which, of course, in the fee-for-service versus value-based care thing is like this crazy um, kind of back and forth, right? Because you're always trying to build a product that's ready for value-based care, but at the same time, you also have to provide value to that. And that, I mean, I think, I'm sure you, you see this too, a lot of early stage companies went into that challenge. So for us, it was really about just listening to our customer, it's listening to our users, paying very close attention to them, uh, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. One of the things we found out through that exploration was that the particular way obstetrics was reimbursed through something called a global fee, which ended up being a capitated professional fee for obstetric providers as to how they would manage a particular patient. So in other words, it doesn't matter, I as an OBGYN, if I saw a patient 10 times, 14 times, 30 times, I typically get the same professional fee. So we then kind of took that, translated that into our remote monitoring program and said, hey, you could still you know, deliver the same quality of care, if not better, and still manage your practice in a much more efficient way. So. That was like an interesting sort of tipping point or refinement in our strategy. The other thing that I will point to is, you know, we sell to providers of care. Really, it's OBGYN's leadership within, you know, maternal health service lines, right, of large hospital systems. And MDs, by their very nature, tend to be very skeptical of products that get thrown their way. Now, they're they're trained to be very data-driven and, sci- and almost scientific in their approach. Uh, they are scientists in many ways. So one of the things we did very early on, which proved to be extremely fruitful was we invested in doing academic research with our product. So now when I walk into a practice meeting or clinical meeting, walk in with a couple of published papers in my hand that documents some of the results that we have, right? We took a very sort of academically rigorous approach. In fact, we didn't really have much of any sales for the first year of the company, right? We were still, A, trying to obviously figure out the best model, but B, also collecting that data, publishing those results that would equip us. So, you know, both of those were kind of strategic kind of things that we did, which now has been helpful, but initially it was kind of a struggle to figure that out.
0: That's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, and it's interesting that you guys took this approach, right? And you got your data first, you put together your studies, and now you guys are definitely starting to get traction and serving a great cause. Take us to a time when you actually were like, wow, I'm doing this, I'm doing the right thing. Some A time when you were most proud in your medical leadership experience.
1: I think it's easy to say when we got like a big customer or when we got a big deal or made a major product release as like a moment of pride. But the more I think about it and and the more I have matured in my thinking, I think the moments of pride that I have is is when my team, our team really is able to accomplish, right? So it really comes down to building that model and, and that core team that can really help you grow. So hiring and thinking through kind of the the right profile of people, making sure the team's working and making sure there's organizational process to kind of around communication and all the steps that that make a company grow is so, so important. Gone are the days where myself and and Juan Pablo, my co-founder, could just stay up all night and then, you know, get something done, right? Uh, We're a little past that right now. So, so much of what we do right now is, is making sure that our team is equipped and all of the bottlenecks that could exist are removed. We have really solid team we put together. So my job right now is to empower them and, and making sure they're the most successful as they can be. Ultimately, um, now we're only going to be successful if our team and our leadership as a company is able to accomplish, right? So I've sort of like morphed my thinking on that in some ways, putting a lot more time now into in making sure the organization has the fuel that it needs to really grow.
0: That's awesome, Manish. And, and yeah, absolutely, totally feel that. So congratulations on, on building out that team of yours. I'm excited to see where you guys will be five years from now. Hopefully world domination. (laughs) Hey, well, let's turn the problem around and I think you will be achieving world domination. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Anish, you guys are focused on specifically this space. What within your focus is an exciting project that you're working on?
1: Yeah, we're working on, uh, on a whole bunch of things. One of the areas of care in sort of our area is that I think is super interesting is what happens to mom after they deliver? You know, this postpartum time period. Yes. Obviously, things like postpartum depression and postpartum recovery um, ends up getting a lot of attention. But it's very clear to me that the postpartum area is, is probably one of the most under-delivered areas of care across the pregnancy episode. In addition to my mental health, which obviously the big focus, there's also issues around transitions of care. Uh, there's also issues around proper contraceptive care, you know, issues around breastfeeding and lactation, issues around if you had some kind of complication like hypertension or diabetes, making sure that's being handled. So we think if that area is, is not done correctly, um, for the mom, you end up setting up uh, a lot of sort of risks over the next five to 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So we're now looking at the postpartum area and actually a lot of the smarter organizations across across the country are also looking at postpartum area as a key point of making an investment in the mom and making sure that once the baby is born you're not just shipping her off uh, to be on her own from the hospital but you're making sure that the first 10 12 18 weeks after the baby's born there's that proper care so yeah so that's we're actually partnering up with some some thought leaders here to really think through what postpartum care could look like And what that could morph into so that's an exciting project that we're taking on so that should be a lot of fun
0: that's both beautiful and exciting my friend you know having had a a baby you know my son we were chatting before this he's one and you know my wife and I went through the well she went through the pregnancy I was there with her but you know you're right that period after they get home it's tough and there's very little support the hospital does give you some resources but that's very very minimal and so I think it's pretty cool what you guys are doing and the impact I think will definitely lead to a ripple effect of positive outcomes. So, stay strong, brother. I think what you're doing is really great. Yeah, no, I mean,
1: uh you obviously you've been through this, so you kind of can share in that and that a little bit, but no, I mean, I I totally agree with you. Thank you for your kind words, you know.
0: Hey, to the extent that we my wife and I hired a sleep consultant, we hired a lactation consultant, I mean, because we were lost, man. Like we had no idea what we were doing. So, I think what you're doing will resonate with the listeners and also the world of, that is in the process of having babies. So uh, keep up the great work.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't tell you, I mean, how many times I've heard that that we were lost. Uh, so you you might be lost, but you're certainly not alone. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're we're trying to, I mean, talk about highlighting issues. This is another one that that's one of my you know, list on my list to uh, to get to. A lot of lot of challenges in this space for sure.
0: Awesome, brother. So let's pretend here that you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine. It is the one hundred and one of Anish. And so, Mr. Anish Sebastian, I got four questions for you, lightning round style, followed by a book and a podcast that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yep, let's do this. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Focus
1: on incremental improvement over the course of a long period of time as opposed to going after a silver bullet. Little, little things across the large spectrum makes a big difference.
0: What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Gosh, there are so many. Listen
1: to the customer. I know it sounds super cliche, but it's so, so important. Listen to your specific use case and your specific customer and make sure you're solving their problem.
0: How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change?
1: I think as a leader, you have to hook yourself on the core principles of what makes you different, right? You now, for us, it's a provider focus, improving penal care. But you also have to be very, very attuned to the market as to what will make those principles the most amplified, right? So that means whether it's looking at changes like AI and data science, and so it's it's balancing what's true to your principles, but also listening to where the market's going and making sure that product market fits there.
0: What's one area of focus that drives all else in your company?
1: Patient-provider relationship as it relates to improving outcomes. Every time we have any any issues, we go back to what improves that.
0: And finally, Anish, what book and what podcast would you recommend to the listeners on this syllabus?
1: So as far as podcast is concerned, there's a podcast called The Pitch, which I think is... It's pretty cool. It has sort of a long form way of essentially the what's that show Shark Tank? Yeah, it's like a long um, form way of of, cool. of, yes. of Shark Tank. Yeah, um, and as far as uh, as far as books go, one of the first books I read in in healthcare and one of the best ones is something one called Complications hmm. by Atul Gawande. Nice. All of his book is good. All of his books are good, but that one is 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 a good one, really good one.
0: Love it! Great recommendations, atul gawande and the pitch. Listeners, don't worry about writing it down. Just go to outcomesrocket.health babyscripts baby scripts and you're gonna find all of the things that Anish shared with us, a transcript, show notes, links to his company, links to the books, links to the podcast he recommended. Everything's going to be there. So visit outcomesrocket.health slash baby scripts and you'll find it there. Anish, this has been a ton of fun. I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place for the listeners could get a hold of you.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously um, I think that, you know, one of the things that is really important is building a community, right? So stuff that you're doing is is exactly, I think, what we need to do to transform healthcare over the next decade. So yeah, I mean, I'm all about, finding forces that can come together to make this happen. And the best place to get to me is really our website is a great place to get to. Uh, but since we're talking about just shout outs, I also reference my Twitter, a Sebastian 87. You can put that in the show notes too. So people can get to me. So
0: Outstanding. Anish, this has been awesome. Appreciate all the things that you and your team are doing and all the things that you shared with us today. And listeners, I recommend that you reach out to him, check out what they're doing and get involved. Don't just listen, get involved with the movement that Anish and his team are doing because the cause is great and great things will follow. So without just further ado, brother, I just wanna say thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's all,
1: this has been great. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. If you want the show notes, inspiration, transcripts, and everything that we talked about on this episode, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And again, don't forget to check out the amazing Healthcare Thinkathon, where you can get together to form the blueprint for the future of healthcare. You can find more information on that and how to get involved in our theme, which is implementation is innovation just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference that's outcomesrocket.health/conference be one of the 200 that will participate looking forward to seeing you there